2: Tuesday afternoon to you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Alongside Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Thank you for being with us. Will East in for Michael Borky once again this afternoon. So glad to have Will along for the ride as well. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with Gigabit Fiber Internet from C Spire Business backed by world-class IT solutions and IT solution providers who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. Brian Haydad, um, you discovered a new problem in your world earlier today, or at least that's what the artist formerly known as Twitter tells me.
3: No, I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. What What?
2: this is your story? Not mine. You, you thought that you were out of the driving right. kids yeah. to school business. And then
3: and then my daughter came home last week and told me that she has been given some sort of senior privilege. So she doesn't have to be at school till 10 in the morning. Oh, and the youngest has to be there by like eight, you know, eight thirty at the latest. So I'm back in. What time does your oldest daughter, with
2: senior privilege, get out for the day?
3: The same time as normal, I guess. At like you know, between three thirty and four.
2: All right. So, did you have that
3: when you were senior in high school? Did not. I'd never heard of such a thing. You know, in my high school, first period was first period, and you got out when you got out.
2: See, I got out early my senior year. It was after fifth period, so it was done for the day at, like, 12.45. And in the fall, that meant, you know, you had an hour and a half to kill before you had to be back for, you know, football practice, whatever. And then in the spring, there was less to do after school. I, I think I still played golf my senior year, so it was, you know, I would leave at 12.30, 12.45, whatever time it was we got out, grab some lunch, knock around for a little while, and then go to the golf course. It was not a terrible existence uh, during my, my senior year. But I'm trying to decide, would I have preferred to go to school at 10 and stay until three? Or would you rather go at eight and get out at 1230? I I think the answer is that option was
3: given. So do what now? I don't think that option was given. So I wasn't suggesting
2: that it was. I was just like thinking out loud. I mean, senior privilege or congratulations. You get to sleep late. Well, but but there's some dad privilege here also, isn't there? You you are not taking advantage of the fact that you have a daughter with a driver's license. Congratulations on the fact that you don't have to go to school until ten o'clock. I hope you enjoy your lazy mornings, but you do have to have your sister at school by about eight twenty.
3: No, that that wouldn't be right. I mean, she earned the privilege, right? She, you get that for having good grades. You have that. You get that for. You know, doing well in school. So why not reward her? Let her sleep in. I'll, I I was up anyway. Let mm. us go. Mm.
2: Will, how do you weigh in on this?
1: Is he doing this right? No, I mean, the the kid has to suffer. Okay, it's it's ultimately the kids have to what? suffer. Let okay, the guy let the, with the children no suffer. let kids
3: make this make yes. this decision. I would yes.
1: make the kid drive.
3: This is why. This is why your wife is is she won't let y'all have children because she knows you're gonna make your, ch- your children suffer. Yeah. My She's parents made me suffer. Favor. Those
1: kids are gonna suffer. There you uh, go. There
2: you. Uh, there you go. Is is Hey Dad making the right decision by letting his daughter sleep in and not go to school to ten o'clock while he continues to take his younger daughter to school, uh, messing it mm-hmm. now in fairness. It's not like Brian Haydad is having to rearrange his day to get his youngest daughter to school. It simply is interrupting the time in which he can sit in the large chair and eat dry cereal out of a cup with a spoon like a psychopath. That's all that's really happening here, right?
3: The, I finished off my box of Apple Jacks this morning. So, hmm.
1: Should I rewatch an episode of Sopranos, or should I go for the Sunfield? That's the big
3: decision this morning for Brian Haydad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dwayne and Brandon I had to says, record po- podcasts earlier today, so you know. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon
2: says so. Now, Hey Dad has to get up before nine. Bless him.
3: Mm. <laughs> he's, he's Matt tweeted at you at like six thirty this morning.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's uh, uh, and then uh, Keith and Vaden wants to know how far away from school are they?
3: I don't I, know. A good bit. Too far to walk.
2: Well, I mean, I think that was the larger question is is it walkable?
3: Yeah. No. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, I don't like the idea of them crossing highway twelve in the middle of the morning. So <laughs> No,
2: that doesn't that does not feel like a uh, a good plan. Uh Jerry and Pontotoc. When I was in school, we started at eight, we got out in three, and then we had to go pick cotton in the afternoons. Jerry and Pontotoc.
0: Hmm.
2: My guess, Jerry, is that you also had to walk uphill both ways barefoot in the snow in Pontotoc. I
3: mean, I give my kids chores, you know. We don't have any cotton to pick, but, we, you know, they keep the house clean. Uh, You have
2: a fellow psychopath, Adam in Monticello. That's how I eat my cereal. In a cup, no milk. He says no spoon, though, which frankly makes it a little more right.
3: No spoon? What? We just shove Why? it in your mouth. You talk about that's caveman
2: behavior. Let's have a little civility. He doesn't shove the. He doesn't hand feed himself. There, it's it's dry cereal in a cup. He just kind of shakes it in like he's eating ice out of a
3: cup. No, that's not how. No, you get a spoon.
2: Dwayne and Brandon says can't wait until Richard's oldest starts driving. It's an adventure. Yeah. All right. So here's here's my question. Hey Dan, what was the. Um, what was the practice like in terms of leading up to being eligible for a driver's license and getting the car, getting the license, and you cutting her loose?
3: We just let her, we, you know, we started driving in parking lots and then around the neighborhood a bit. And then finally we're like, all right, let's set her loose on the world here. And, you know, we were in the car and saw how it went and it went okay. And then, of course, this is great. She tells me yesterday, was it? No, it was Monday, yeah. She's like, "Dad, I ran a red light today." I was like, "Where?" She's like, "At 12 and Lewisville Street." I was like, "That's a terrible place to run a red light. Cause that's a busy intersection. Not the one." And that's like, that's the, you know, that's not like, you know, just in the neighborhood or something. And uh, I was like, she's like, I just didn't have a, I didn't think I could stop in time. And I was like, you need to slow down when you see yellow. I know what your mom told you, but you need to, you need to slow down when you start seeing that <laughs> yellow light. And then she, lo- I'm not making this up. My my poor, innocent little daughter looks at me. and She goes, are the cops going to come after me? And I was like, maybe No, they might. I, like, no, I said, no, I was like, you know, if you get, if you, if you can get home after a traffic violation, you're probably okay. You're probably okay. There's no lights in Starkville, so, or no uh, cameras in Starkville that I'm aware of. So
2: so, so Ava Montgomery's 13, and mm-hmm. she's starting to kind of get the itch a little bit. I I, I would say this to her. Um, I would feel better today about her 10-year-old younger brother jumping behind the wheel if they had to get from point A to point B for some sort of an emergency. I don't think she really mm-hmm. likes it when I say that, but but she has started asking me more lately, hey – could, could could we practice a little bit? And I'm like, yeah, we'll do that. And so we've had a couple of times, but yesterday she had cross-country practice early, and she had mentioned it coming home. And so we got to the edge of our neighborhood, and I just pulled off on the side and got out. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, drive. So she climbed into the other side. And it was it was mostly good. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's funny the stuff that you forget, though, the very first time you drive. Like, you really don't have to steer yeah. much. Like just got to keep your... Like but but the first time you drive, like you fit and, and so she's like, you know, like one inch yeah. right, one inch left. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just 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 hold your hands there. It's gonna just relax. It's gonna basically go straight. Um yeah. you know, kinda easing into a turn versus making a ninety degree know, uh, right or left hand turn on a street. I'm like <laughs> we can ease into it.
3: You know they don't make you do the driving test anymore, right? I'm they sorry, don't. what? They don't make you do the driving test. Once you get your permit, you know, you have to put in a, like, you can just come back at some however many days later, and your parents kind of vouch for you, that like, yes, we've been driving with them. They're good. And they just give you the license. You don't have to take the road test anymore. Did she take driver's ed? No, we just taught her. Wait, doesn't driver's ed help on insurance, though? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. Rich guy like you, not worried about it. There you go what you see what you see a cane over here cup full of pencils Mmm.
2: Mm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fM and Super Talk TV just getting started. ACC Media Day has got started today. We'll talk a little bit about that some predicted order of finish in the ACC got a couple of SEC teams coming up for you today on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We'll hit some uh, some NFL nuggets, some personnel news on a bunch of different teams. That's kind of interesting. Take a look at the preseason predicted order of finish for the Sun Belt. Luke Johnson's going to join us. We've got the college football fix and more with you. Sports talk, Mississippi, Tuesday afternoon, 25th of July. We'll be right back.
0: Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. <laughs>
2: ACC media days happening today in Charlotte. I think is that right? Pretty sure it's in Charlotte. Yeah, Um, a commissioner's address this morning, in which uh, Jim Phillips told everybody, "Yeah, we're you know some some of what people are saying about the ACC just it's just overblown. We're, We're good. We're good. All is right." Perhaps whistling as the deck chairs on the Titanic. There are no tanks
3: within 50 miles of Baghdad, I promise you. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Syracuse, Miami, Louisville, and Georgia Tech were the first four that were up today. And uh, they are all visiting with the media. I know that probably doesn't carry as much interest uh, for you as some do. Let's take a, a look at some of the preseason superlatives for the ACC. So, preseason player of the year in the ACC. Hey, Dad, it is Jordan Travis, quarterback at Florida State. Do you have any issue whatsoever?
3: None. No. No, I mean, I think he's he's probably the best player in that conference. Drake May will have a, a fantastic year, but his team will not be as good, I don't think. And that, that plays into the voting. So here's,
2: here's what's kind of fascinating. Jordan Travis got 12 first-place votes as the ACC Player of the Year. And yet he was not picked as the ACC Offensive Player of the Year. That award goes to Drake May. Now, maybe it's just a way of recognizing the fact that we got two superstars in this league. They both play the most important position in all of sports. Here's how we showcase them both. Preseason player of the year, Mr. Travis. Preseason offensive player of the year, Mr. May. Maybe that's the right way to do it. I I don't know.
3: What about Will Shipley? I mean, you, you could do it in in this in the SEC. You could say, like, the preseason player of the year would be Jaden Daniels, right? Or, that makes sense. Okay. Quarterback for one of the, the top two teams in the conference, top three teams in the conference, right? But then you could easily say the offensive player of the year would be Quinshawn Judkins. Yeah.
2: Could go that route. Because
3: he's going to put up stupid numbers.
2: Yeah, or, or or whoever you want. I mean, if you wanted to say it's K.J. Jefferson, yeah. if you wanted to say it's Rocket Sanders at right. Arkansas, if it, you right. know, uh, you had right. other options that you wanted to go.
3: After that, um, you're getting into projection. But, yes, after those four.
2: It was funny. I, uh, I thought that I was looking at the 2023 preseason predicted order of finish, and I was looking at it, and I saw that Florida State was picked fifth in their division. I was like, hold on a second. One, that's crazy. And two, the ACC doesn't have divisions anymore. And I realized that I was looking at last year's predicted order uh, of yeah, finish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so go. they uh, so that changed everything.
3: The, uh, the dark horse for both these awards is Cade Klubnick, the quarterback at Clemson. Because if Clemson decides to turn it back on and Klubnick is the kind of quarterback that recruiting profiles would make you think, then he's going to have a huge year. Yeah. We talked about this the other day. The quarterback play in the ACC is just outstanding. There's there's some strong guys there.
2: Yeah. And and could have been even stronger if Sam Hartman had elected to return to Wake Forest instead of transferring out to Notre Dame.
3: And if, if Brendan Armstrong stays at Virginia and Devin Leary stays at North Carolina State, I mean, oh, it's goodness. even better. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. They voted on a, uh, a
2: preseason game of the year. Really not surprising that it is Florida State at Clemson. Yeah. Are are we a little disappointed that that's happening on September 23rd?
3: It is early. It is early. But that gives the loser of that game. If Florida State wins that game, I guess it should be like, I should say this. If It depends on what happens with Florida State LSU. But Florida State might be able to lose that game and get back into it. Clemson could lose that game and get back into it, depending on what happens towards the end of the season. But if Florida State in the first month of the season beats LSU and Clemson, I mean that is they, they should be number one in the nation at that point.
2: Regardless of what else is happening. But based well, who on body will, I mean, of work who, at that point, nobody
3: will have yeah, more of an argument. I mean it'll be sort of like when State jumped to number one, where they had just beaten all these teams. And I mean preseason they weren't even ranked. It just came point of like they've beaten these teams. I mean, at that point, Georgia will have beaten nobody. Alabama might have beaten Texas at that point. You know, Ohio State wouldn't have played anybody at this point. Maybe they would have played Notre Dame, I guess, but you know. If you if that's Clemson and LSU is a strong resume.
2: Let, let me ask you this. If Texas wins in Tuscaloosa in mm-hmm. week two and Florida State does what you said. They beat LSU in Week One. They beat Clemson in Week. What is that? Three, I guess, September twenty third. Who's number one? Are, are are you Texas or are you? It's probably still Florida State.
3: That's Texas. We just have one. I mean, just has the one win. Although it's that's a huge win to go on the road and beat Alabama. And you'd and for Florida State. on Red River so.
2: yeah yeah Florida State I mean it would be on the road against Clemson and neutral side against LSU
3: yeah, yeah I, neutral kind of neutral
2: kind of neutral not not yeah. not at Doe Campbell
3: no no all
2: right so the Just last the time Florida State beat Clemson in Death Valley 2013 they've only done it twice since the turn of the century they had a guy named Winston, Jameis Winston, playing quarterback that year and beat Clemson like a dog, 51-14. to 14. So it's been a while. Uh, it's been a decade yeah. since uh, Florida State has won in Death Valley. All right, so here's your predicted order of finish in the ACC. This is from 24-7 Sports. Florida State picked to finish first to win it all. Clemson second. North Carolina third. Miami fourth, NC State fifth, Duke sixth. We need to pause on Duke right there just for a second, and here's why. I want you to listen to Duke's schedule this year. Hold on All right, a I got to get to this right. Picture. We had
3: the other day on the on the hundred teams. I remember talking about this. All right, so
2: Duke opens the year against Clemson on Labor Day night. Then they get a stretch of Lafayette Northwestern and Yukon Yukon on the road they
3: open on they
2: open on a Monday Monday night against Clemson in Atlanta. Okay. They do, yeah, great yep yeah, Duke Clemson is your uh, your ACC on well, a chick-fil-A kickoff game. okay all right so here here's where it gets dicey. September 30th Notre Dame at home then an open date. October 14th NC State at home. October 21st at Florida State. October 28th at Louisville. Then they get Wake Forest on a Thursday night. Then they go to North Carolina. That's a difficult stretch. It's
3: a tough stretch. Louisville and Wake Forest are winnable, certainly winnable games for them. North Carolina is a rivalry game, so you never know what's going to happen there. It'll be tough to win Florida State, and I think probably tough to win North Carolina State as well. I like how you know, like. This is where it gets dicey. Doesn't it get dicey when they open with Clemson? That's dicey well, right from the beginning. I mean, after three games
2: against Lafayette and Northwestern and UConn, I mean, that should be all right. Yeah, should be three and one going into that game against Notre Dame. So, interesting for uh, for Mike Elko in in year two, who just got a contract extension, by the way. All right, so Duke sixth, Louisville seventh, Pitt eighth. Then Wake Forest in Syracuse, Virginia Tech picked 11th, Georgia Tech 12th, Boston College 13th, and Virginia 14th. So...
3: Oof, Virginia.
2: Yeah, it's bad. They're, they're bad. And, and look, Virginia's only a couple of years removed from being pretty good.
3: The, 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 the message is don't hire Clemson coordinators. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm.
2: Now we gotta give we gotta give Tony Elliott a little more time, don't we? I mean, we do, but it's not looking. It's not a good start. You know the one that that I just have so much trouble with is Virginia Tech, picked fourth from last in the ACC. That program was so steady for so long under Frank Beamer. He steps down. You know, it's Virginia Tech fans. They're ready. I mean, for the last. What, for the last five years, eight years that he was the head coach for Virginia Tech fans, it felt like they were ready? And there were some good moments in there, but maybe not the, you know, 10, 11, 12 wins a season that that they had kind of been spoiled by. But the Justin Fuente thing just didn't work.
3: It's very surprising to me. It it felt like a good fit, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I I thought he would win there a couple years and then go to, like, Oklahoma. Yeah. And so now it's year two for uh, for Brent Pry,
2: and uh, we'll see if they can get it moving in the right direction. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We will uh, pick off a team on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. When we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort
0: Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's hey, go time. Sport Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. c text line open at 601-879-4395. Got one message says, The Pac-12 and the ACC are the best quarterback conferences going into the season this year. I don't think there's any doubt
3: about that. There can't be any debate. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, What it looks like at the end of the year, we'll we'll wait and see. But when you think about star power at the quarterback position in the Pac-12, Caleb Williams obviously leads the way. Michael Penix at Washington is probably the second best. You got Bo Nix at Oregon. Mm -hmm. Cam Ward was sacked more times than any quarterback in the country last year at Washington State, but he, he still put up good numbers. Cam Rising. Cam Rising at
3: Utah. Yes, yes. Tougher than shoe leather. Uh, uh, even, UCLA, even, even, even in UCLA, well, they've got the, the freshman, right? They've well, got they're the, either going
2: to go the with Chase Garbers or the, the true yeah. freshman five star kid that isn't he the highest rated prospect Moore. in the
3: history of UCLA? I think I believe that's correct. Jaden De uh, DeLora was uh, really good last year for Arizona, and don't forget Shadur him, Sanders at. Uh, yeah, don't forget Shadur Sanders at uh, Colorado had a monster year at Jackson State. We'll see what he can do at the FBS level. Yeah, so that's so, yeah, on the, I mean, you got the Pac-12
2: side
3: of things. Great And I don't know who Oregon State's quarterback is, but that was a good team last year. So I assume yeah. they get some decent quarterback play. Mm, Mike could give you the, the answer ACC, The ACC, we, we've already talked about May and uh, and Travis. Brennan Armstrong at North Carolina State. Um, who's who's the kid at Duke? He's pretty good. What's his What's his name? Uh, I can't remember. I'll, yeah. I'll find it for you in a second. Tyler Van Dyke, Tyler Van Dyke, down at Miami. We mentioned Club Club Nick, who's potentially really good at Clemson. Um, Syracuse still has Garrett Schrader. I mean, if Garrett, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Was like, if Garrett Schrader is like the seventh or eighth best quarterback in your conference, that's that's pretty good quarterback play.
2: Oh, we should have
3: remembered the quarterback at Oregon State. Oh, this it's, year. DJ.
2: DJ it's DJ DJ Ungalale.
3: There you go. I mean, should be a good player. Yeah, the um, that's that's really deep. That's how, how, have they announced? I assume Caleb Williams is the first team guy. The second team guy. I mean, they got like some options there. It's Michael Penix. Is it Penix? I mean, I, yeah. I can't I can't go wrong with that. But I mean, if you told me Nick's, or if you had told me. Uh, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe beyond Nick, it would have been a little bit of a stretch. But I could, I could, cam I could listen rising. to your argument at least.
2: Wait, I mean, cam rising. Come yeah, on. I,
3: yeah. I'd listen to an argument. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's a uh, that's two leagues that are very deep at the quarterback position. I mean, maybe a little bit different. Let's do this.
3: Let's do this. Who KJ? Who who, who KJ Jefferson? Let's just say he's the best quarterback in the conference, right? Just for the argument's sake here. Where does he rank in the Pac twelve? Is he fifth? I I was going to say say the
2: absolute best you could rank him as third. That's the best.
3: I I would say he's behind Caleb Williams, Penix, Knicks,
4: and And probably Rising. Yeah.
3: And then in the ACC, he's definitely behind May. He's behind Travis. Um. I need to see more from Klubnick
2: before I give you an answer yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I would put Jefferson ahead of Klubnik right now. I'm trying to think my way around. Might be third. He might be third in the ACC.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure that he's the best quarterback in the SEC, though.
3: I'm not. I mean, you got options there. But, I mean, who was, was first-team all-SEC? I, I don't remember. Was it Daniels or Jefferson? It was Daniels, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Um. <laughs> it was literally a week ago. This was happening. No, it was KJ Jefferson.
3: It was Jefferson. Okay.
2: Yeah, Jefferson was That's first team, and for. Jane Daniels was second team.
3: That's who I voted for. So. Yeah. All
2: right. Let's uh, let's get to it. Countdown: 100 teams in 100 days.
4: This day is bananas.
0: E A N A N A S. This day is bananas.
1: 100 teams in 100 days.
0: Hey, okay, ready? Three.
2: Number 41 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. M-I-Z-Z-O-U. How you feeling about this
3: one? Just, meh. Nah. much like their football team and their football stadium and basically everything about them. Kind of meh.
2: That line is, we will tramp, tramp, tramp around the columns while we cheer
3: for old Mizzou. Okay. it's a lot of use of the word tramp.
2: Yeah, hooray, hooray, hurrah, hurrah, Mizzou, Mizzou, Mizzou. Uh, The Missouri Tigers. Much ridicule, much derision thrown my way. When I picked Missouri fourth in the SEC East, you guys looked at me like I had two heads with three eyes each.
3: Oof, that's six eyes.
2: And maybe you're right, but maybe you're not. And the reason, there's a lot of production returning for Missouri. Top three rushers from a season ago are back, led the, uh, led by Cody Schrader. Starting quarterback is back, Brady Cook last year threw for a little over 2700 yards, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Top four tacklers are back including Tyron Hopper who had a bunch of tackles for loss. And the losses last year were close. We've talked about this several times throughout the uh, throughout the course of the year. Right, so they got popped pretty good by Kansas State in Week 2. But when you look at their SEC losses, and this is for a team that finished the year 6-7 and seven with a loss in a bowl game. They had a three-point loss to Auburn, a four-point loss to Georgia, a seven-point loss to Florida, a four-point loss to Kentucky. So four of their five losses in SEC play were by a touchdown or less. And then... Tennessee beat them like they had stolen their girlfriend or something. Like like the nerdy guy it stole happens. the girlfriend, and the the big the big bad bully came and, and got after him.
3: Gotcha. So it you was really close. In the
2: and and then when you look at the schedule this year, South Dakota and Middle Tennessee, Kansas State. That's a tough one. A lot of people think Kansas State's gonna win the Big Twelve again. It is a home game on September sixteenth. Maybe Missouri can pretend that Kansas State is Kansas and drum up a little more hate.
3: The border war. And
2: then they've got Memphis. They play them in St. Louis. Um,
3: yeah, neutral site.
2: Yeah, their they're two Eastern Division opponents this year are... I'm sorry, they're in the East. Their two Western Division opponents this year well, are LSU and they're Arkansas. They're
3: in the East when it comes to the Southeastern Conference. Geographically, though, not even close. Not even close. Not even close. They'd be in the Pac 12 East. Mm. <laughs> they,
2: they would. <laughs> Excuse me, they absolutely would. When I say to you, Missouri football, what do you think?
3: I think SEC Network 3 o'clock. <laughs> I mean, that's where most of their games end up. You know, I think boring, just there's nothing exciting about Missouri. I mean, you know, they just—they just. When's the last time I was like, "Man, can't wait to tune in to the Missouri game this week." Worst camera I mean, angle no, in uh, SEC. It's not great, you know. And like for some reason, like the field there looks gray. It's a, their turf is not good. A, I'm just telling you, it's a train wreck. I want to go back in time and bring Kansas State into the uh, SEC? No, I think they'd be a better fit. I, oh. Yeah. We gotta oh. pick one I gotta pick one Big 12 team, I'm going Kansas State. I went there. I'm telling you, that's an SEC town. Why don't you just go get Texas a
2: dozen years ago?
3: I mean Well, if I could do that, that's different. If I could go ahead and just bring in Texas and Oklahoma. i tell Texas AM to sit it out too. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Oh yeah.
2: Strong words. I can do.
3: I can do without the craziness.
2: Can you imagine? how slighted Texas A&M would have felt if that had happened.
3: They'd have cried legit tears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But what I'm going to say real quick about Missouri is this. I said it a few weeks ago when we were talking about this. That when I hear that many close losses, I see a team that doesn't know how to win. And that's what I think. I mean, prove me wrong, but, you know, I feel like they probably have a bunch of close losses again this year. They're not good enough. So, so it's not, wow, this team is close.
2: Now that they've got a little yeah. more experience with those guys coming back, they're going to take the next step.
3: Yeah, because everybody else is still better than them. Um,
2: a couple of historical nuggets about Mizzou on the other side of this break. One of the more, I guess one of the, the all-time famous coaches in college football. It's been a long time at Missouri. Not even talking about Gary Pinkle. <laughs> <laughs> we got more coming up with you. I
0: didn't think you were. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi.
4: I'm digging
1: in the cold cold ground there before I recognize Mesara. Show me how this town shattered dreams.
2: Ah. <laughs> Pretty good stuff there. This
5: flag only run. has 49 stars now on it.
1: Let, let so now <laughs>
2: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. So, a couple of things that, in reading up on Missouri that uh, either I didn't know or I had forgotten. Gary Pinkle is the winningest coach in Missouri history, but I don't think he's the most famous coach in Missouri history. Do you happen to know, hey, Dad, who the head coach at Missouri was from 1958 until 1970? 13 years. Bud Wilkinson? It is not Bud Wilkinson. Dan Devine. Is it? Really, I didn't know that. Dan Devine left the University of Missouri to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. He was there for four seasons. A little bit of controversy at the end. the uh, The board of directors of the Green Bay Packers was planning to buy out the final year of his contract. He was three games below five hundred, or two games below five hundred, in his four seasons, and they were still hanging on to the memories of Vince Lombardi, even though there had been another coach in between the two. And Dan Devine said that he intended to come back for the 1975 season, and then he requested that his paycheck be paid in full up front. And once he received the check from the Packers organization, he resigned and took the head coaching job at Notre Dame.
3: Hey, Will. <laughs> I just want to talk to you about something. Will says, Yes. Yes. Yeah. just you know just a little just a little advance.
2: Dan Devine almost did not take the Missouri job. he had uh, had a couple of years of success at Arizona State and it felt like there were some omens I that went the other way. His flight to Missouri developed engine trouble and he had hot chocolate spilled on him by a stewardess during the flight that arrived six hours late and he almost just threw his hands up and was like, ah, you know what forget it this this isn't a good start to this. Uh, but it it went well, and uh, after going five four and one in his four. first year, there was a group of Missouri boosters who came together and bought him a one hundred fifty thousand dollars life insurance policy that would cover him for as long as he was the head coach of the uh, of the Tigers. And
3: then I did not realize how successful as a coach Dan Devine was. 173 wins. That's not one hundred seventy three. So he was twenty-seven and three at Arizona. Then he was ninety-two thirty-eight and seven, Arizona State. Yes, ninety-two thirty-eight and seven, and then fifty-three and sixteen at uh Notre Dame with a national title. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I had no idea. And what? Five, like seven top ten finishes in his career. Dang, I had no hey. idea.
2: Did, did you have any idea how successful Gary Pinkle was in his career? I had an idea on that one, yeah. 191 career wins. He went 73-37-3 at Toledo. He was the head coach there from 1991 until 2000. And then from 01 to 15, he was at Missouri where he won 118 games. And then they had that stretch in 2013 and 2014, their second and third years in the SEC. Or they won back-to-back Eastern Division titles. They had the 12-win season in 07. They won 10 in 08, 10 in 2010. And I, I feel like Chase Daniel was the quarterback on every single one of those teams. I know that's not accurate. Yeah. But good grief. A
3: um, lot of success. Five 10-win five, seasons at Missouri, and then he had another two 10-win seasons at Toledo. That's
2: impressive stuff. Yeah, uh, really is, and Ole Miss was uh, was had the unfortunate pleasure of playing Missouri in a home and home, in the uh, the non conference mm-hmm. when yeah. Chase Daniel was the quarterback. I think it was in that stretch when they won twelve and oh seven and ten and oh eight.
3: Ole Miss had some rough out of conference games Dude. in the stretch. They had Texas Tech when Leach was there. They had Missouri when Pink was there. They had Wake Forest. When they were turning to be out uh, to be good, Memphis kind of had their numbers. For, I, I always remember about the 2003 year. Ole Miss lost 10 twice to
2: Wyoming. They
3: lost, yeah. Ole Miss went 10 and three in 2003 uh, uh, 3. and lost to Memphis and Texas Tech in that year. They only lost one conference game, and it was that game to LSU. Yes, I mean they, they could have played for the national title if they yes. had just won their conf- conference non conference games. Yeah, I mean that's so, tough.
2: So. Air Raid was starting to hum. And I forgot about
3: Wyoming.
2: Jeez, Was it B.J. Simons was a quarterback for Texas Tech that year? That's, I think in 2003. That's probably right, yeah. Yeah. Memphis had Kingsbury Danny Spiel Wimprine there. at quarterback, and the running back was... Uh, DeAngelo oh, Williams. DeAngelo Williams.
3: Williams. Great player. Great player. Ole Miss lost that year in 2003. State went 2-10 and ten, but beat Memphis that year. That's the Tommy West game. College football. College football. Love it. Uh, four o'clock hour coming
2: up next. Sports Talk, Mississippi, with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Talk, Mississippi. Here we, here
0: we go, go. Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. The Michelby County Fair, Mississippi's giant house party, is back and bigger than ever. And Super Talk Mississippi will be there at Founders Square. Middays with Gerard Gibbert will be there tomorrow. And both the Gallows Show and Middays will be there on Thursday. It's one of the most important events of the year. And you will hear from political candidates from across the state as election season heats up. That's tomorrow and Thursday. Also on Thursday... Sports Talk will be at Trustmark Park and the home of the Mississippi Braves for a special event. KLLM will be unveiling to the public the 2023 Old Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, and Jackson State football equipment, custom wrap tractor trailers. Those will be on display. Love for you to come by Thursday afternoon and see us. And on Friday afternoon, Sports Talk will be in Hattiesburg for the 2023 Dixie Youth Baseball D1. And D2 World Series. Tons of teams coming in from states as far away as Virginia and North Carolina to represent their state in this year's Dixie Youth Baseball World Series. Sports Talk Mississippi at the Larry Doliak Baseball Complex in Hattiesburg on Friday. Hey, any word as to whether there is a cold front coming through? Like Thursday night into Friday morning?
3: Or Wednesday? Uh, night I, or the I, I check
1: my app real quick. Oh, every, that's every no. every
3: Monday. Every Monday, I look at the Super Talk News tweet of our weekly uh, weather forecast, and no is the answer to your question.
1: Oh, let's see. Thursday. Well, let's start with Wednesday tomorrow. High of ninety six, mm-hmm. according to my calculations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, well, it gets a little warmer. Ninety seven. That's on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Friday, 97. Saturday, 98. Sunday, 99. You see a pattern here, don't you? Uh, Monday, next week Monday, guess what? High of 102. Ben
2: Franklin plus a couple. (laughs) Who? One? What? What What? what My clothes just got
3: sticky just thinking about this. I mean, it's awful. My glasses are fogging up. What particular locale
2: are you talking about?
3: This says Jackson. Is that, is that for
2: Jackson? Yeah. Okay.
3: So 102 in
2: Jackson early next week. Good
1: luck with that.
3: There's a lot of concrete. That genteel fabric is great. It wicks away moisture. I'm uh-huh. He's
1: going to
3: get a workout. You'll put it to the test. Yeah.
2: You're not pulling out those French cuff button down shirts no. you love so much <laughs> next week, are you? <laughs> Not going to be wearing those around the office. Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of not one but two 18 hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can book your tea time online at Dancing Rabbit Golf or pearlriverresort.com. Also, the Seaspire uh, text line is open at 601 879 Four three nine five. Give your business the edge with Gigabit Fiber Internet from C Spire Business. Learn more online at cspire.com/business. Um, let's grab another team. What do you say? Let's continue the countdown yeah, sure. of 100 teams in 100 days. It's okay. Oh, going to say we don't have to do it again. Oh, it's cool. Look,
3: Will wants bananas. to hear his voice. It's 100 Look at his face. teams. I put this He's together 12 years ago
1: and it still hey, Three,
3: resonates two, today.
1: Oh, it! I wondered if we needed to update it, but. No! It's perfect. It's so good.
2: It's got everything. Team Gwen Stefani, number
3: Europe.
2: <laughs> Team number 40 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days the Auburn Tigers. Fanfare to get you up to the uh, the real thing.
3: The only fight song in the SEC, other than states that I know the words to. All of them? Yep. Victory! Strike up the band. Give a yell. Give them hell. Stand up and yell. Hey, hey! Boy. Eagle fight for all. Burn power of Dixieland. You got it right. You got it right. I, I give lost the bet.
2: Uh, oh, you had to learn it.
3: Yeah. Mm, okay. There's a video somewhere of me singing that. Yeah.
2: I got Alabama's. That was, uh. it was like going to or from somewhere. It was like, what are the words to this? And then I learned them. Yay, Alabama.
3: Go yeah. Go, Crimson Tide. Uh, drown the uh, drown, drown
2: them tide. Every yeah. Bama fans behind you, hit your stride. Go teach the Bulldogs to behave. Send the Yellow Jackets to a watery grave. And if a Walk man, man starts, yeah, if a man starts to weaken, <laughs> that's a shame. For Bama's pluck and grit have writ her name in crimson fame. Fight on, fight What's on, fight on, on, men! Remember the Rose Bowl, will win. Then, yay, roll to victory. Crimson Tide, your Dixie's football pride. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, there it is. All right, the, uh, the Auburn Tigers. I got a new head coach in the offseason. I don't know if you heard about
3: that. Yeah, somebody you know. As do you. Close personal friend. Yeah, well, I've never met him.
2: Auburn was 5-7 and seven a year ago. The Brian Harson experiment came to an end in short order. Um, There were a lot of reasons for that. We know that. I mean, an institutional insurrection against the head coach from its largest power brokers makes it hard to succeed. Who were we talking to last week, though? Somebody's like, he just didn't recruit. Now,
3: I don't know that he had, was it Cole that said that? I, I don't know, I don't remember. But, I mean, that sounds like something he would say.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was Cole. I think it was somebody else. But, but regardless, maybe it was Ryan Brown.
3: May right. That may have been. That's another option. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who we talked about Auburn with. And those were the two guys. So.
2: Yeah. Um. So. You know. I don't know how much of that was him and his staff, the staff that he put together, just not being suited to recruit in the SEC. But one thing that Auburn has never had an issue with is recruiting. Hmm. They didn't really get the NIL train rolling as quickly as they needed to, which was surprising. And they just didn't have a ton of success with some of the big-name guys in kind of that 100-mile radius, which includes Atlanta, of Auburn, Alabama. And that's why the roster looks like looks the way that it looks right now. Five and seven, two and six in the SEC. Their two SEC wins last year were Texas A&M, thirteen to ten, and they beat Missouri seventeen to fourteen. They had two three point wins in the SEC
3: last year. Ugh. Just staying with that recruiting point, real quick. In 2020, Auburn's blue-chip ratio number was 59%. This year is 51%. Meanwhile, in that time frame, Alabama has Mm -hmm. grown from 83% to 91%. So they basically picked up the 8% that that Auburn dropped. Hmm. Which doesn't seem ideal. No. So basically, Brian Harsin almost recruited them out of the blue-chip ratio. Yeah. Out of the the 51% plus.
2: Almost everybody expects Peyton Thorne to be the quarterback, the transfer from Michigan State. Robbie Ashford is back on this roster as well. Jarquez Hunter returns at running back. Jarquez Hunter of some level of Internet fame, 675 yards on the ground, seven touchdowns a season ago. Talented player. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that he took the step forward that we thought he would from his freshman season. Well, he was still a still
3: complimentary guy, you know.
2: I mean, last year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tank Bigsby was pretty good.
3: Yeah. T- Tank, like, Tank Bigsby. This was, was pretty the year good. where he was. This was the year where you were like, okay, now it's his time to shine, and then he has off the field issues, and so now you don't even know what his status is right
2: now. A- has Auburn said anything about that? Has he been? I don't think that they he's been suspended. On, has he?
3: No, that's been totally under lock and key. Nobody knows what's going on
2: there. Well, I mean. It does feel like Auburn is a program of second chances, and so I would imagine that Jarquez Hunter's going to get a second chance. And um,
3: yes, probably so.
2: And, and we probably will see him. The schedule this year for Auburn. By the way, if you have no idea what we're talking about, I'm sorry. Google it, I guess.
3: Yeah, we can't. We're, but we, we can on that one.
2: Google we're... it and just do so at your own risk, and don't be at work.
3: Don't yes. be at work when you Google that.
2: NSFW. Mm. They open with UMass, go to Cal in Week 2. Then Samford at home, got to go to a and I think that's one that people are interested in watching. Georgia on September yes, 30th at so. home. Road games at LSU, Vandy in Arkansas. They've got Mississippi State, Ole Miss, New Mexico State, Alabama, all at Jordan-Hare this year. Auburn. Team number 40 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, now. now.
2: Back on Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. You getting into any of the uh, the uniform reveals in the NFL over the last few days?
3: Um, I've seen a few of them. I like the the the, the Oilers look coming. Oh, back. they're so I'm a good. Fan of that. They're so good. I mean, love the baby blue. Um, Tampa Bay doing the uh, the creamsicle. Bringing that back, I'm a fan. Like that, it's only only as a throwback, though. I don't want you can never go back to that. It, it is it's not it's not good in big doses. Yeah, um, but
2: neither is the red and pewter, is it? I, I mean,
3: what they're doing now is okay. It's okay. I mean, unless they have a complete rebranding, they're always going to be just a little. The colors aren't great. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen any of the other ones. Uh, any other ones recently. Did you see the white helmets for Denver? I did not see those. Me, Denver
2: Denver that. with white lids, but they can only wear them with their monochromatic, oh. all-orange color rush uniforms.
3: Okay. And it's got the old school, the Denver logo with the horse. Yep. I like that. Yep. I like that a lot.
2: The, uh, the Jets have gone back to green helmets with white jets on them is that right
3: or is it yeah. vice versa and they No, it's 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 what you said. Yeah. Um
2: I'm just trying to think if there are any others that I've seen where it just kind of popped a little bit. Oh, the Colts are awful. I saw somebody I saw somebody say I've seen those. This is the they're, they're blue on blue and they're just very basic. And somebody said, this is what you would get if you ordered an entire NFL's uniforms out of the oh. East Bay catalog.
3: With black helmets. Don't like that. That doesn't work.
1: Yeah, yeah, not great. They
2: not call great. those the That's
3: Indiana
1: Knights uniforms. They call them the Indiana what is that? uniforms. I don't know. That's what they're calling the, the the Indiana. There's a Knights.
3: song, right, with them Indiana boys on an Indiana night. What is that song? I don't know. Oh my god. Am I wrong?
1: Yeah. No, you're right. What is it? Somebody from on the text line will say it in two seconds. A ah, there it of, is. Okay.
2: A cu- couple of notes from around the NFL while we are on the topic. The Dallas Cowboys. Or last dance with Mary Jane.
3: That's what it was, yeah.
2: Mary or Mary Jane's last dance, I guess. Mary it was. Jane's Tom Mary Hedding, Jane's last yeah. dance,
3: yeah. 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 She
2: grew up. <laughs> you know you know who gets credit
3: for that? For Mama. knowing the song or, or writing yeah. the song.
2: The the rare occasion that Mama Jane's listening to the show, she happened to be in
3: the car and she ah. texted me,
2: Hey, it's uh Mary Jane. There you go.
3: You thank go. you miss Jane
2: um not two hours after discussing the importance of keeping their homegrown talent on long-term deals the Cowboys signed two-time pro Bowl cornerback trayvon Diggs to a five-year extension worth 97 million 21 million and a quarter signing bonus 42 million in change guaranteed can max out at Very 104 good. million if he hits incentives that's a big deal for the Cowboys
3: yeah, yeah. Jerry Jones, you know, outside of quarterbacks, doesn't normally. I mean, I guess he did with Ezekiel Elliott, but defensively, he's been known to let guys go through the years. So, yeah, that wasn't the yeah. biggest contract news of the day, in my opinion, though. What was the biggest
2: contract news of the day, in your opinion?
3: Jimmy Graham back home. Come on, man, let's go! I'm so excited. I love it. I love seeing guys come home like that. Is that a one? I don't know what'll do you- give us. No, it's a one-year deal. He's he's playing this year. I mean, he'll be the third-string tight end, but just one more one more touchdown, one more dunk over the crossbar. I know it's illegal. I don't care. Get the flag. I want to see it, and he will. Right? I would. I think if he scores at this stage in his career, yes, he would be willing to take the fine. News out of San Francisco.
2: Brock Purdy isn't all the way back from right elbow surgery yet, but he's well on his way, and that's according to John Lynch, the GM, and Coach Kyle Shanahan. Training camp starts uh, today. They reported today for, uh, for San Francisco, revealed that Purdy, who had surgery to repair the torn UCL at his right elbow on March 10th, has been cleared to participate in practice when they get started tomorrow. John Lynch said Brock is cleared and ready to go. Having said that, we're sticking and we're adhering to a plan that has been in place for some time. So that is good news. Kyle Shanahan did say about Purdy, he will be with the starters when he's out there. The throwing plan's a little different. We're never going to have him go three days in a row. Hmm
3: it feels like the 49ers are, are in such a great position cuz it looks like Purdy's going to be the guy there which means they have Trey Lance as a bargaining chip, you know, a guy was a former first, you know, top 10 pick and a, a guy that when he got to play looked all right. And now you can deal him and get some more more assets there. Niners have
2: not gotten That's it done yet. but They're working on a deal to uh to get Nick Bosa extended long term. They have not gotten there yet. Um Saquon, who had some very pointed things to say about the Giants a week or so ago, did. has signed his franchise tag, one year, worth ten point one and up to eleven million. Two million dollar signing bonus plus some incentives. Um. It does not include a no-franchise tag clause, meaning the Giants, if they wanted to, could tag him for one more season after this. All right, so I understand why Saquon Barkley is upset. But this is good business by the New York Giants. Oh, the Giants got over big. They won this deal big time. 100%. Saquon Barkley is 26 years old. He was drafted with the second pick in 2018. Tell me if I'm crazy. I am riding Saquon Barkley this year. Mm -hmm. I'm going to franchise tag him again next year.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. I'm going
2: to get one more year out of him.
3: And -hmm. then I'm going to say thanks for the memories. Good luck. Time to go. 28 is, you know, that's when you start taking making the turn. And then by the time you're 30 as a running back, it's pretty much over. Yeah. So yeah, That's exactly how the Giants should play it, and we'll see if they do. Pretty
2: big concession by Saquon Barkley, the story DSPN says, to report on the first day of camp for veterans. He was in the building before 8 a.m. Eastern time this morning. And that seems like a big deal. He told the Money Matters podcast that he might consider not playing this year. That was like a week ago. And it was like that was his big kind of laid down the gauntlet. And then he reports before he has to on the first day that veterans are to report.
3: Has a player ever, I'm trying to think, has there ever been a player that's like, I I won't play and then didn't play? Hmm. I remember. I'm, I'm sure there's been some holdouts that have gone into the season. I, I'm, I'm, there's one that's I, I, it's like on the tip of my tongue. That was a big one. But like, they're gonna play. They want to make their money. Was there a
2: quarterback a few years ago that held out into
3: the that's, season? That's what I'm. I'm. I'm remembering. Yeah, it's, I feel like that's the case. Was it Roethlisberger? Was it? No, I don't think so. I don't think so
2: mean that would be very un-Pittsburgh-like for it to happen there. Yeah. Um,
3: mm, can't remember. Chris Jones holding out right now, too.
2: Yeah, they'll get that deal done. I Chris Jones think. pretty important to Kansas City.
3: Yes. There's another running Le'Veon back in the Bell. NFL. Le'Veon, it was a Steeler. It was Le'Veon Bell might be who we're thinking of here.
2: That's right. Yeah, I think you're right.
3: Uh, he did say he running... sat out a whole season
2: the running back that led the NFL in rushing a year ago, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, he is sitting out, at least the start of camp. Wants a new deal, all pro from a year ago, has not signed his franchise tag, can't be fined for missing time in training camp because he doesn't have a signed contract. Josh McDaniels said today that they would welcome Jacobs back whenever he chooses to report. He says, I know Dave Ziegler and Tom Delaney worked feverishly with his representation last week to do what they could I respect his decision ultimately to not sign a deal at that point so right now I mean it is what it is they all understand it's a business but he's got the same deal that Saquon Barkley just signed Yeah. and with Josh Jacobs do you treat it the same way you treat it with Barkley he's 25 years old I don't think you're signing him to a long term deal We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Luke Johnson next on the
0: Farm Bureau Guest Line. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Time to go to the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the Home Team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Will East in for Michael Borky today, and Luke Johnson joining us right now, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Kind to spend a few minutes with us. What's up, buddy?
5: Sunbelt Media Days. I'm not in New Orleans, but Eagle Hour's been covering it. And a uh, great event going down uh, at the Sheraton. I'm, uh, I'm still working on some schoolwork. But uh, we sent Kelly Sander down there today and uh, good stuff. Uh, we talked to Keith Gill as well as Will Hall and a few Southern Miss players on Eagle Hour today. It was good stuff. Hey, just out of curiosity,
2: how far are you from being Dr. Luke Johnson? Are, are we getting close? It feels like this has been going on for a really long time.
5: Yeah, I mean, you any PhD, you know, three to five years. Uh, at Christmas, I'll be done with all my seminar work. Okay, um, and then I can take comps in January. Uh, so that's two days of writing, and then you take oral comps. And so you pass that, then you can start writing the big one. So all next year, I'll start writing dissertation, and hopefully, defend it in spring of twenty-five.
2: There you go. So there is there is an end in sight.
5: There is. There really is. Uh, it's it's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, um, but it's going to be worth it in, in the end for sure. Good for you. Good for you. All right,
2: so we got the uh, preseason order of finish as predicted by the Sunbelt Media. Um, Eastern Division, James Madison picked to win the East, followed by App State, Coastal, Marshall, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and then Old Dominion. West Division, and that's what we're most interested in, Troy picked to win it, I don't think it's a surprise there, considering the season they had a year ago. And then South Alabama, and then the Cajuns, and then Southern Miss, number four in the West, followed by Texas State, Arkansas State, and ULM. So, Southern Miss at number four in the West. How are we feeling about that?
5: Yeah, I mean, if you kind of look at how they they picked it, you know, each coach – uh, slotted different teams. Louisiana and Southern Miss are kind of right there together, kind of yeah. like a three A and a three B. The reason that that the Eagles are there is just because, and I, I would like to talk things, <laughs> but it's quarterback play. I mean that that's what it is. You would feel that they would be. Uh, I, I think South Alabama and Troy are are consensus um, one and two, and a lot of other publications have have South Alabama. Um, at that spot, just because Troy lost some big pieces on on defense. Uh, But yeah, I think that's the reason why Southern Miss is like this. Plus, I mean, I think I texted you this uh, a couple weeks ago or or made mention of this. The second half of Southern Miss's schedule, you're talking about in about six weeks, you're on the road in Mobile, you're on the road in At Boone, you're on the road in Lafayette, and you go to Starkville. But specifically, three or four weeks, those are your second-half road games. And uh, I think that goes into this um, as well. It's brutal.
2: October 17th at South Alabama, October 28th at Appalachian State, then ULM, at Louisiana November 9th, at Mississippi State
5: November 18th.
2: And then, oh, and then by the, the way, Troy the week after that the regular
5: season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, App State's App State set to I uh, got picked to finish second in uh, in the West. I mean, in the East. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're only really breather ULM at home and, and Old Dominion at home. Um, you don't know what Texas State's going to have. Arkansas State uh, should be improved, uh, and so your entire conference slate. Um, there's a real chance Eagles four and two, five and one. That depends on what happens in two lane. And then you could be one and five, two and four, you know, in the second half. And it, again, quarterback play.
2: Do you think seven's about the right number when, when you look at the schedule and how difficult it is on the back end that, you know, seven and five is about the right number?
5: Yeah. I mean, I know Will Hall won't like this, but seven and five to me is a great, great finish with this schedule. You get a bowl game, get a chance at eight. Um, you're just going to have to win one that you're not supposed to win in the second half. I
2: I kind of even think he would admit this, but, but what you've mentioned a couple of times, quarterback, 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 has got to be driving Will Hall crazy. He was a quarterback. It is. He has coached quarterbacks. He has, I mean, the very first time he was on the radio with us after he got the Southern Miss job, he said, our team and our offense is driven by quarterback play and he just hasn't been able to get the consistency at that position
5: could that change this year i think it will and he kind of hinted today with us that even this summer edwards and wiles have even separated themselves even further i don't think there's a separation between those two specifically um but uh you know it's kind of stock answer that he was going to give at media days was we've got six uh scholarship quarterbacks now so we're actually a normal d1 program um that's kind of how he he said it today but it i mean it it is true um i i I expect and he kind of hit at this earlier in the summer with us uh, about two weeks out from alcorn that's when he wants to name a starter so you can't hold him to that date but around august 20th um and so it really is from august the second first First practice until you know twentieth. That's where that's where the season will be determined. Um, If you can, you come out of that feeling confident in your number one.
2: And and that's Holman Edwards, the Houston transfer, and Billy Wiles, the Clemson transfer, right? Yep. Yep. It's interesting to think about Edwards. So so he transfers out. He was behind Clayton Toon, who set all kinds of records and was you know one of the three or four best quarterbacks that Houston has ever had. And you wonder where Edwards would be if he had stayed put or if he wasn't going to win that job, and maybe that's why he transferred out. But Houston's loss is Southern misses game, it appears.
5: Yeah, I think Edwards is happy to be back in the state of Mississippi, and uh, Wiles is, is happy to be with a guy that recruited him out of high school. And so I think both of those guys feel comfortable with the way Will Hall works.
2: All right, couple of first team selections on the offensive side, no surprise here, Frank Gore Jr., first team all Sunbelt Conference running back. On the defensive side, Jay Stanley selected as a first team all conference defensive back, and then you had Frank Gore as an all-purpose player on the first team as well. Um I don't I'm assuming you have no objection to those guys being ranked where they are. Is there anybody that's missing that you think should have been on the first team all conference squad?
5: Um, not too much. I mean, offensively, other than Frank, you know, you, you lose Brownlee the, I, I think there will be guys, you know, you'll see a, a merge in that way, but, but defensively, no, because they, they lost a lot of guys in, in the secondary lost a lot of guys up front. I, I think Bivens can really kind of, uh, take, you know, get some of the sacks that they lost with we um, but yeah, I'm I'm cool with totally cool with that. And Jay Stanley, we talked to him today, and he he said you know they kind of like it. I mean, playing with a chip on your shoulder, finishing fourth, you only get a, you know three guys on that. And and uh, ask Will specifically because I figured he would get this question later today, and we'll find out. You know, um, uh, we'll talk about it more tomorrow about Dan O'Brien. Um, can can he keep the nasty bunch at an Austin Armstrong level? And Will said it, you know, it's going to be a lot like the same defense. Uh, maybe a little different in the secondary, but but not too much. And then he just, again, I've told you this, the guys that O'Brien's coached under and coached with, I mean, it's the best guys in the business. So um, that that's going to be uh, a big question as well. I would like to mention real quick, Keith Gill was just super stoked at his uh, State of the Conference speech today. And this is just some stuff that that I think people would, would like to know. The Sunbelts viewership over ESPN Plus doubled in the last year. Um, somewhere in the 35 million range Uh, these media days are completely um on uh on espn plus as it's the exclusive you know platform for sunbelt and uh, he he told us today too that the the football championship game will either be on espn or abc and uh so kind of to a man today everybody was just saying that the sunbelt now especially with the big 12 getting american teams it's the best group of five conference uh in, in in the in the group of five and and uh, I, I think there's, there's really no question in that. But, yeah, Gil, Gil was really – he had some things to say for another time for us to discuss about NIL, uh, but he was just uh, really, really excited about their continuing partnership with ESPN and hope to get maybe seven to eight bowl games in, in the next few years.
2: Yeah, what you said about kind of sliding into that best conference after SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, whatever order you want to put those in, because the American has had, you know, they, they went with the Power Six moniker for, for all of that time and have tried to cling to that. But with losing Cincinnati and losing UCF and losing um, Houston, I, I think there's a really compelling argument for, for what you said and that, that maybe the Sunbelt has surpassed the American in terms of what's the next best conference after those five.
5: The Sun Belt really leaned into, rather than media markets, they leaned into fan bases. And somebody even brought that up to to Gil, would you be in favor of just like a 14-member um, league where you just play each other and no divisions? And he said, no, these divisions create the, all these fan bases that we've targeted to be able to express themselves in regional rivalries. And so he's happy where the conference is.
2: Yeah. When you think about it. James Madison against Appalachian State, James Madison against Marshall, Marshall against App State, Coastal Carolina against those schools. That's good stuff in the East. And then, I mean, Troy, South Alabama, Southern Miss, Louisiana, Arkansas State, if they can kind of get their act together. I mean, that's geographically, that's pretty good stuff. Thanks, Luke. Great Great stuff stuff. as always. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We're back right after this.
0: Let the broadcasting of the Disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: talk about greatest movie soundtracks of all time. Waterboy is never mentioned. Got some bangers. It has got some bangers. Five o'clock hour is just around the corner. Wrapping things up in the four o'clock hour with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to follow along on all of their social media channels, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and X. Or Twitter. Twitter X. What, what are we calling it?
3: <laughs> X. Gotta respect that man's wishes. Mm, okay. We're gonna be zeding.
2: You can uh, you can go to Visit Oxford's website and see some of the upcoming events that are happening, uh, music lineups, activities on the Ole Miss campus, et cetera, et cetera. That is at visitoxfordms.com. Busy time of the year just around the corner, and uh, Oxford hopes that you will visit. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Will East with you. Did you see the Jordan Addison story yesterday? You know, it popped up. Yes. What? Over the weekend, Mm -hmm. end of last week, pulled over for going 140 miles per hour. Now, he was not like some that find themselves in this situation where he tried to run away from police. He, fortunately, was not um, under the influence of any illicit substances, alcohol or otherwise, and he was not arrested. He got pulled over for doing 140 in a 55 and was not arrested. He was driving a Lamborghini Urus with a dealer license plate. What are we
3: driving that we can get to 140? I want to know what the car is. There you go.
2: Lambo. Nah. So he slowed down when he saw the police lights from another trooper who was pulled over on the right shoulder of the road.
3: <laughs> slowed down he, to 120.
2: So So here's, here's the question. According to the report, he told officers that he was driving that fast because of a dog emergency at his home. A dog emergency. He was pulled over just after metal? 3 a.m.
3: What, kind of, what kind of dog emergency? The dog like, dog in the refrigerator? Is he going to eat the last slice of cheesecake? What's going on? I, I, I don't know.
2: And, and Jordan Addison, the former Pittsburgh-turned-Southern Cal wide receiver that is now with the Minnesota Vikings, released a statement, issued a public apology saying that he made a mistake and used poor judgment, and he promised not to repeat the behavior, but he didn't say anything about his dog's emergency. Is this a? Um, I mean, is this like when you tell the teacher the dog ate your homework when the dog, in fact, did yeah. not eat your homework? You are trying to come up thing. with some, or is it?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it, blame it on the dog. I mean, that's you know people do it all every day. So yeah, let's. This is the same thing. What kind? What is a dog emergency? He could have dispelled these rumors by
1: saying, oh, by the way, the dog is fine. And, you know, everybody would move on their merry way. Yeah. But he didn't say that.
3: Yeah. I don't even know what the status of the dog is. Is the dog probable?
1: Doubtful? What's
2: going on? Well, and if the dog is indeed fine, then he could have gotten away with that, right? I mean, he could have said,
3: look, thank you for your concern.
2: Dog's fine. I want to say...
3: Picture of him with a happy, smiling dog. We're okay. Sorry I I was speeding, but I was concerned about my best buddy here. Put it on the ground. Let's go. But no. Does he even have a dog? I want to know answers. I need investigative journalism. It's a fair question, isn't it?
1: Yeah. How does he not go to jail after... I thought if you were going over 100 miles per hour, you're supposed to go to jail, right?
3: Well... You would think... One forty and a fifty five. I mean, I think that's reckless driving. I could be wrong.
1: Who was the Mississippi State player that got
3: caught a couple years ago? It was Kylan Hill, wasn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he was only doing like eighty five or something, wasn't he? No, it was over a hundred. He was over a hundred? Okay. Yeah. Maybe he was just like, maybe yeah. he was
2: going a safe one forty.
3: Oh, He's in a Lambo, so people are like, "Ah, he'll be all right." Yeah, that car's designed crashes, to go that I think fast. I just, yeah, if he crashes, that thing is going to fold up on itself anyway. It won't be a big deal.
2: But you, you are generally the um, the pessimistic one in our our little family here at Sports Talk Mississippi. So your pessimism is creeping Me? in. You do not believe that there was a dog emergency.
3: What is a dog emergency? I don't believe there are dog emergencies. I'll oh, put no, it that way. It's,
1: it's,
2: it's, your dog has a seizure, your dog falls off the bed, your dog. How do
1: you know that? My, my dog, had assuming... a, my dog had a seizure a couple months ago, and we had to take it. We in the middle of the night, we
3: took him to the animal. But like ER. he wasn't at home, right? So how did he know the dog was having a seizure? Well, he perhaps got like there a, was someone at uh, so his like...
2: home who called him and said, "You got to get here. Your dog is sick." Then that person takes the dog
3: to the vet. And I'll get there as soon as I can. but I'm about Maybe to that person to didn't have there. a Lamborghini. You putting a dog in a Lamborghini?
2: If you've got to go to the vet, I am.
0: I I'm changing. Come on. Super Talk Mississippi. Check the fire. Are you ready? Yeah! Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: Final hour of the radio program. Today, Sports Talk Mississippi with you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Don't forget about Geyser Falls Water Park. Will told you how hot it's going to be this weekend. Cool off at Geyser Falls. Learn more about it at geyserfalls.com. They've got the slides. They've got the wave pool. They've got the refreshments. They've got the big bucket kind of in the playland area that dumps the water on your head. I mean, big bucket. And then they've got Brian Haydad's favorite, lazy river. He loves to just get on that tube and float, float, and float, and float, all while wearing whatever makes him comfortable on that particular day. Will you a big water park
1: guy? Love him. Geyser falls help you cool off this weekend. They will. My wife went the other day with one of her friends uh, while I was here at work, and
3: yeah. I was quite jealous. GeyserFalls.com. Well, you, let's well, you and I could go Saturday. Let's just go, and then she'll be jealous.
2: Let's there you do. Go. It. That'd be a way to uh, right. cool off after the Dixie Youth Baseball World Series. I'll put on, on my Friday.
1: I'll put on my skivvies, and we'll uh, we'll head that way, and it'll be uh, a good old day had by all. You're gonna wear your skivvies. Right. Hey, that'll be in his yeah. banana
2: hammock, and everybody will just be all <laughs> all. Um, you guys will have the park to yourselves. <laughs>
3: Can we get Gentile to make the banana hammock? That's what we need.
2: Nah, I don't know. With patented escape hatch, hatch technology,
3: exactly. No less. Not a lot of fabric, you know, for those. So yes, yes. it done quickly.
2: Uh, you can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with Gigabit Fiber Internet. Cspire slash business. That is. Um, uh, that's where you can learn more. Well, you said you had a uh, an emergency run to the doggy daycare. Did you exceed the posted speed limit?
1: Well, my wife did uh, oh. because she was driving, and that's how I knew that we were going above the speed limit because my wife likes to drive them fast. Uh, she does not drive anything slow. She is constantly on the gas going. So our dog, uh, one of our dogs, was having a seizure, and we freaked out, didn't know what to do. It was our um, 16-year-old Jack Russell mix, whatever he is, that we rescued from her granddad after her granddad passed away. So we took him in. 16 years old now. This dog is old. He couldn't see. He couldn't hear. Couldn't move very much. I feel like you're
2: describing our oldest dog. We have a 17-year-old Yorkie who has seizures from time to time. It's scary.
1: It is very scary. So... We got him in the vehicle. He's just shaking and all this kind of stuff, and I'm, I'm in my pajamas, my, my skivvies. We rush to the animal ER in Flowood, about 30 minutes away, get there really fast, um, get him in there. They take him in. They look at him, and we're thinking the worst. Oh, he's, you know, tonight's the night. We're going to say goodbye. Very sad. doctor comes in, and he says, I hate to tell you this, um, everything's fine everything is fine with this dog this dog is 100% fine I said he's 16 years he goes I know he's old he goes but this dog has an elevated heart rate right now that's it uh, everything else on this 16 year old dog is perfectly fine
3: that was from the driving That <laughs> probably was he from was my wife's he was fine but we put him <laughs> in the car you know, should have been it, like Doc you think he's got an elevated heart rate you come <laughs> talk to me <laughs> <laughs> Chloe is,
2: is 17, and we have for a while felt as if her days are numbered. And they are. I mean, I guess to a certain degree, all of our days are numbered. So in dog years, Chloe's 119. 100, 119 in dog years. And she is basically blind. Yep. Basically deaf. Mm
3: hmm.
2: And yet she's still functioning. And when we were out of town a couple of weeks ago, when, when we went to the beach, she stayed with Jane's mom, with my mother-in-law. And she gets more attention when when she is there than she does in our house. We have kind of a three-wearing circus that, that operates, you know, five of us, three dogs, just going every which direction, the whole deal. And uh, she got some one-on-one attention. I think she kind of hand-fed her, fattened her up a little bit. And it's like... <laughs> She's she's as spry as she has been in a decade at this point.
1: We're like, all right, Chloe.
3: Yeah.
1: Just, yeah. just keep on hanging on. When they get when they get really deaf, they can't hear you call them, so you have to stomp on the ground so they feel the vibration and then they'll look around.
2: Yeah. It's it's uh Gosh.
1: we're not making fun. It's
2: it's it's sad. But yeah, you're right. Um and, and a lot of nights, she's good. She'll go to sleep, and she'll sleep 5 5.30 or 6 in the morning, and then there are nights where she goes out like four times. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing?
1: I feel your so, pain.
2: Yes. Uh, what do you say we get to the college football fix? Like, right now. Let's do it. There it is. We'll push the button. The college football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Go to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for Tough, but don't stop there. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So, Jimmy Harbaugh, the head coach of the <laughs> Michigan Wolverines. Jim Harbaugh, whose star was not... Shining so brightly just a couple of seasons ago, but with back-to-back wins over the Ohio State University and a playoff appearance a year ago, they are expected to win the Big Ten. Picked to win the Big Ten. Like considerably more first-place votes in the Big Ten than the Ohio State. But they may be doing it without the man in khaki pants for the first four games of the season. Michigan... Football coach Jim Harbaugh, first reported by Yahoo Sports, that's Ross Dellinger, uh, and subsequently reported by Pete Thamel at ESPN, um, Jim Harbaugh and the NCAA are in discussions about a so-called negotiated resolution for a four-game suspension in the 2023 season. The expectation is that it would be the first four games of the year. Which is not the most difficult stretch that Michigan is going to face this season. No. Um, Jim Harbaugh's attorney, you may recognize this name, Thomas Mars, said in a statement that we are continuing to work cooperatively with the NCAA staff on an enforcement matter. At this time, we are not allowed to comment on possible penalties or other aspects of the matter. Board manual Mars is said, like
3: a bad penny. This always shows up.
2: Yeah. Uh, Ward Manuel, the athletics director at Michigan, said basically the same thing. Um, Here's the deal these allegations stem from alleged violations that took place during the COVID 19 recruiting dead period. The initial investigation into Michigan included just four level two violations. Which are less significant in scope. But Jim Harbaugh has been charged with a level one violation for not cooperating, for a lack of exemplary cooperation. Which I got to be honest with you, I don't blame him. Because the NCAA has proven to us over and over that you are better off fighting them than you are. Admitting it. And so Jim Harbaugh, who is still not acknowledged specifically that he misled or lied to the investigating staff from the NCAA, but the negotiated resolution reflects that he did accept responsibility for recruiting violations in the case.
3: So wasn't you know, isn't this like another coach lying about food? And it wasn't hamburgers the issue here? You're talking about I mean, Bruce Pearl and the cookout? With Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know. Year of our Lord 2023, we're going to suspend somebody over hamburgers. Okay. Who cares? Although, we'll be the funny Arctic. if Rutgers finds a way to beat them.
2: Yeah, I, I love the article in the story that said Yahoo also reported that former Michigan defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, now with the Baltimore Ravens, is expected to receive a one-year show-cause penalty. McDonald's status as a current NFL coach makes the punishment essentially irrelevant.
3: So. Oh, goodness. Hmm. I mean, you can't talk to potential free agents? How does that work? I don't know.
2: D- does, does this do anything for you?
3: Nope. You want to know Michigan's first four be.
2: games? East Carolina. I, I know
3: them, but please share them.
2: Yeah, e- East Carolina, who is replacing maybe the best quarterback in school history in Holton aylers UNLV, Bowling and David Green. Gerard
3: says, "Hold up."
2: I'm just telling you what the numbers say. I'm just saying, though. Bowling Green and Rutgers. All four of those games. At home, in the big house.
3: I mean I the only- pull for Rutgers harder than I will all that day.
2: The only thing Jim Harbaugh is going to miss is the early season heat in Ann Arbor.
3: Yeah. So, And he doesn't have to miss practice. He's only going to miss in the games. <laughs> we'll
2: see where this goes. It's not official yet. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix driven by Ford.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Of a new Ford truck, an F 150, or a Super Duty, or maybe you're looking for the all new Toyota Tundra, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota are the places for you. Great selection available. Last check, they had a couple of Tundras on the lot. Good selection of Ford F 150s, a lot of different trim levels. Great financing that's available. Belk Ford has been a Ford dealership since 1961, and the Belk family has been in the automobile Industry for over 100 years. They're located on Highway 6 West in Oxford and would love to see you. They're going to treat you like family. They'll take care of you, not going to force anything on you. We'll help you find the car or truck or SUV that you're looking for, help you find the financing that you need if you need to go that route. And um, they are there for service after the sale for things as basic as routine oil changes and rotating your tires and things that are far more complex. It's, uh, it's really hard to be a shade tree mechanic these days. Everything is computer generated. Well, they've got all the technology needed in the service department at uh, Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Stop by and see them. Tell them that we sent you from Sports Talk Mississippi. That's Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Let's get on a couple of stories from the college football world. We talked about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan in the Big Ten just a moment ago. Another story out of the Big Ten that uh, that came out earlier today. Adam Rittenberg at ESPN writes that Northwestern football players Bryce Gallagher, Rod Hurd II, and Bryce Kurtz will not attend Big Ten media days because of the increased attention on the program's hazing scandal. The three players issued a joint statement that said, this was very difficult since we were excited about the opportunity to participate in this great Big Ten tradition and to talk about the game we love and the season ahead. But given the recent events involving the Northwestern football program, we did not want our participation to be dominated by the hazing issue and steal the focus away from football in the upcoming season. We're proud members of the NU football program and want our on-field performance and off-field conduct to always reflect the values of the university and our fans. Good decision or no? Um,
3: well, I mean, you know, they won't allow any media participation at practice now, so it'll be the first game before we get any any on the record about this. So no, it's, it's it's. I mean, I'm not a fan. Just get up there, answer the questions, and move on. That's a tough position
2: for the players to be in because you know almost every question they get is going to be about, well, what did you know, and when did you know it, and what about Coach I, I would, Fitzgerald. I would, I, would, and,
3: I would counter by telling you that the players were the ones doing in the hazing, so they deserve the questions.
2: Yeah. David Braun, the interim head coach, will attend um, tomorrow. Northwestern players have not so spoken to the media questions. since the July 10th firing of Coach Pat, uh, coach Pat Fitzgerald. University leaders have not held any news conferences, though their president, Michael Schill, did speak to the Daily Northwestern, the student newspaper. I think I read, and I did not read the actual story, but I think I saw on Twitter that he told the newspaper that he had not read the entire report when he suspended yeah, Pat he, uh, Fitzgerald he, uh, for two weeks. It.
3: Yeah, he read a summary of it, and then the Northwestern school paper puts out the uh, their article, and he's like, maybe I should read the whole thing.
2: What, are we calling that negligence? Are we calling it gross incompetence? I mean, think about this for a second. You you yes. hired you hired an outside law firm to do an in-depth investigation of your school's football program, the, the school of which you are the president. It took six months. You come to a decision based on a summary of the report. To suspend your head coach for two weeks, and at no point did it feel serious enough for you to go to the trouble of reading all of the findings in the actual report for which you paid an outside firm to do the investigation.
3: Sounds like how I did term papers.
2: Yeah. But you didn't pay a white-shoe law firm half a (laughs) million dollars or so.
3: No, to I, uh, give you the
2: background paid, information for your term paper,
3: I paid Walden Books two seventy five for the Cliff Notes. Yes, yes, much different.
2: A L- little bit different than when I made up the summary <laughs> of the book that I was supposed to read in AP English in eleventh grade, and then I just made up a story because there was a substitute che- teacher that the cl- whole class got tested on later in the in the 9 weeks
3: my senior year we had a uh, we had to read silas marner and they we had an essay question you had to write an essay there were three questions one of the questions you were able to answer within the first 10 pages of the book like the answer was there if you just read the first 10 pages yeah. you were good turned it in 96 that a boy that's what I'm talking about. I, I, I'm so happy. It's like, I read ten pages. Everybody else read the whole book. What's Silas Marner about? No idea. No <laughs> idea to this day.
1: It's said in the uh, early years of the 19th century, a weaver, Silas Marner, is a member of a small Calvinist congregation in Lantern Yard. Ah. Well, that sounds riveting.
3: Uh, yeah, for a 17-year-old uh, high school kid, I was I was locked in. But I was more locked in. I, at least I read the first ten pages. This guy didn't read the first ten pages of his own report. If you are the board of trustees at Northwestern,
2: do you fire the president over this?
3: We're firing a lot of people. We're, we're, we're going to have to clean house on this one. There's something going around today that today, that the athletic director at Northwestern wrote a book where one of the chapters is titled, Women, Men's Greatest Distraction. <laughs> Well, what? I mean, look, there's some truth in that. There is. Yeah. Yes. But what year did you write
1: that? 1955.
3: I was going to say, at least historically,
2: (laughs) I'm I'm not sure that. eh, Never
3: mind. Going back to the first one, there were problems, but I'm just saying, you can't write the book like that.
2: The first publicly announced nil deal for Arch Manning. Is mm-hmm. now a thing. Uh, it was announced today that Arch Manning has announced an exclusive name, image, and likeness deal with Panini America. That is not the sandwich bread place.
3: What what a misname! What a misnomer! Mm-hmm. Panini America, and it's not a sandwich place.
2: Partnership is the quarterback's first NIL agreement and is a multi-year deal that will see Panini create trading cards. And will include exclusive autographs from Manning. The first release will be a one of one prism black autographed card that will be auctioned this week on Panini's website. So, Richard congratulations. In the, uh, say what?
3: Richard's already in the bidding.
2: Well, I was going to say, congratulations to Arch Manning on the NIL deal, and also, congratulations to St. David's Healthcare. And Saint David's Foundation in Austin, Texas. All proceeds from the sale of the card will go to Saint David's. Arch Manning said, "Getting my first LSU."
3: (laughs) Like I didn't see that one-liner coming, buddy. If you say hospital, I say LSU. That's how life works from this day forward.
2: Arch Manning says, getting my first Panini trading card is something I w- couldn't have imagined growing up. Working with Panini to have my first trading card benefit the larger community is special. Helping children live healthy and fulfilling lives is something that has always been important to my family. Very cool. That's great. That is great. Uh, Manning will be included in NIL trading sure. card products from Panini and will also collaborate to help develop his own cards. By the way, uh, he has never taken a step. He's hungry.
3: You keep saying Panini. Hmm. Yes,
2: he has uh, has never taken a snap at the quarterback position yeah. at the college level, and right. is probably going to be the third string quarterback at Texas this year. Hmm. Very likely that this will be a red shirt year for Arch Manning.
3: So I think that was always the plan. I really do feel like like Sarkeesian was like, "Look, we have this guy, but he's gone after next year, and then you come in then." You're, you're after your red shirt year, and you're probably you're the guy.
2: Unless Malik Murphy has something to say about that.
3: Well, I I see that, but I, I at the same time think that Arch would beat him out. We'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> some bleep named a non bread company, Panini. Yes, that's what I'm saying. What a jerk. Like to hear some funky yeah. It's
2: the official trading card of the Dan Patrick show,
3: apparently Why don't we have an official trading card? Is Donra still in business? Hmm. Fleer? We would be like a Fleer show, I think No upper deck? I don't think we're good enough for upper deck I don't think we can get there
2: Coming up, we're going to uh, play the final interview that we have not played from SEC Media Days with Eli Letterman from the Tulsa World. He was on a scouting mission for Oklahoma, or at least for his paper at SEC Media Days. That's coming up next on the Farm Bureau Guest Line.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi continues.
2: Talk mississippi with you from sec football media days in nashville glad to be with you our coverage brought to you by Gentile apparel Gentile, the official apparel provider of sports talk mississippi Eli letterman joins us he writes at the tulsa world and he covers oklahoma and so maybe you need a better map um no i'm kidding with you uh <laughs> oklahoma obviously one of two teams coming into the sec next year and
4: uh so, is it a scouting trip is that how we're describing this that's a good way of putting it this is uh this is my second media days in two weeks so I'm, I'm media days out so you were in Arlington um, I was for, in Arlington uh, for Big yeah. 12 and uh yeah scouting trip just getting a, a lay of the land this is actually this is my introduction to SEC media days what do you think it's something I'm getting the full experience
2: how, how does this differ from uh from Big 12 media days obviously that's not something that we've covered yeah, yeah you
4: kind of watch some of the coverage you'll in either online or on ESPN or, or whatever. I mean, I think the presence of the SEC Network and making this that network event elevates the entire thing. But it's the SEC. I mean, it just means more, and that you know that whole moniker. The the scope of this thing's bigger. There's more people here. Um, the buzz feels a little bit different. Uh, I know Nashville is the first time they're here, but it it you, you feel that difference, and, and certainly from being in Arlington last week to being here now. Uh, you, you can see the gap i guess
2: so kind of give us an inside look at what people associated with oklahoma and i guess i mean fans more than anything i mean we've heard from the administration to a certain degree we've heard from coaches as well how are fans feeling uh, about this transition that has been
4: talked about for so long and is now just a year away i mean i think bottom line like stoke there's gonna be new campuses to go to even you know year one we're gonna be coming to oxford and- yeah going to Death Valley and all that, people are excited. But after a six and seven season under Brent Venables and first losing season in, uh, in 25 years, there's probably some, I, I know there to be some nerves as well, just about are they on the right track right now to be making this jump? I, I, I'd argue, you know, the, the money's going to be huge. There's a reason they pushed the move up a year. Yeah. But if they could have waited one more year to let Brent Venables get this thing on track rather than coming in 2024, might have benefited them people might feel a bit better but that's why this fall is kind of going to be such a prove it season they don't need to go 11 and 2 and you know go win a big 12 title that's certainly the goal but they've got to show that this is getting turned around because that sec schedule is there in 24 and i I think if you polled most fans they tell you they're excited but not knowing where the program is right now they tell you they're nervous, too.
2: Yeah, so outside looking in, I mean, Brent Venable's kind of a, kind of a native son, and, you know, back to, uh, I mean, I guess it's more about continuing the success that, that, that Bob Stoops has, and it rolls into Lincoln Riley, and, you know, they never missed a beat, and Heisman Trophy winners, and then all of a sudden you have the speed bump season a year ago. It's a level of patience that exists in a place that has had so much success for the better part of two decades to kind of take a step back are there people that are already going,
4: Yeah, this may not have been the way to go? Well, there's certainly people who, who have about this much patience. Yeah. And, and where, uh, you know, even a year ago, that, that that might be where Oklahoma certainly fits into the SECs. The expectations, the standard is so high that a year like last year, they can't repeat that. Yeah. And Brent Venables, I don't think, can afford to repeat that, at least uh, among the fan base. And, and so patience is not going to be especially high if they come out this year, you know, like they did a year ago, roll through non-con, and then struggle in the Big 12. I mean, how do you sell the progress? And and even if, you know, behind closed doors, the, the culture is getting settled, they're recruiting well, all that, it's hard to sell that progress and say, when we're in the SEC in a year's time, we're going to be good, we're going to be ready to compete, if they're struggling right now in the Big 12.
2: So what about Jeff Levy in the offense. Obviously, people that, that listen to our show, familiar with him from his time as the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Uh, there were folks that thought if, if Lane Kiffin had left a couple of years ago, go figure, uh, that being talked about at the end of a season, uh, that Jeff Levy might even slide into a head coaching position there. Considering the, the standard that had been there at, at quarterback play and skill positions and kind of what that offense has done was – was last year an aberration for the offense or maybe just kind of year one in a process? How do you look at that?
4: Yeah, it, you talk about Jeff Levy as a potential head coach. I think in the, the best outcome from last year for him, there, there was some belief that you know one great year he might have been a head coach candidate anywhere. Sure. And it didn't quite go that way. I mean, certainly the offense wasn't the issue a year ago. The defense is where they struggled. It was where they got uh, just ran over and consistently from October all the way to December. But the offense struggled for consistency, so they'd they'd struggle to piece together drives. They're playing that tempo system. That doesn't help a defense that struggles when you've got a quick three and out. And and there were certainly games there where the approach, I think that's what people got frustrated with in Norman, was you're up uh, in a game and you're running a 50-second drive. And that, that's, that's what happened against Oklahoma State. They held them off. It's what happened against Texas Tech. They couldn't that night. And so the, there's going to be a lot of eyes on on the offense, especially if the defense is better like we expect it to be this year. The defense improves, but it's this offense that's lost. All of its key skill guys that had there were, their were criticisms to be made a year ago, if they're struggling there, the, the eyes are going to be on Jeff Lebby in, in the same way Brent Venables, you know, the patience could wear thin or can wear thin in Norman. Jeff Lebby is someone where – the eyes will turn to him if if, uh, this offense doesn't quite have it. And and there's certainly questions to be had.
2: This with Eli Letterman from the uh, Tulsa World. He covers Oklahoma at SEC Media Days a year from now. OU will be here as well. Texas will be uh, also. So this OU-Texas thing, I mean, in some ways it's almost a partnership, the the transition from Big 12 to, uh, to the SEC. And yet there's not necessarily a whole lot of love lost between those two programs as well. Is it simply a function of, you know, being the two biggest
4: brands, being the two most successful programs, they've kind of figured out a way to do this together? Yeah, uh, as Greg Sankey put it to me earlier, uh, Joe Harris, president of OU, and uh, Jay Hartzell at Texas, right. they moved together. And so there. it is a funny partnership, and that is what it is. Uh, I think there's a recognition that they've got something pretty good in that rivalry, and, and it's why, as we talk about future scheduling, Red River staying. It's why they moved together, and why they were not going to abandon one another. In this whole thing, and and then past that, it is a deep rival rivalry. I mean, you feel that, and that's where that rivalry will fit in. I mean, I I don't want to make comparisons; I'll get myself in trouble. But whether you want to talk egg bowl or iron bowl, Red River will be on that list, and and that's what they bring to the table. It's a big part of why I think they're both here, yeah. and it's certainly why they do move together. Even if, uh, you know, on the field, certainly they're rivals, but in business, evidently. Uh, these are two schools that recognize what they have together.
2: Yeah, you, you talk about
4: Red River, and it always gets
2: played at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, and there's so much tradition that is tied to that and associated with it. We don't see many neutral site games anymore. Georgia, Florida is still a big deal in Jacksonville, and yet it feels like on a, you know, every time that contract's up for renewal, there's a debate about should this go back to campus. H- has there ever been any conversation about whether? OU Texas, Texas OU should move to campuses or is everybody
4: just thrilled with where it is? At least publicly, like a lot less than you'd think. And I'm an outsider. I'm from New York, so I didn't grow up, the whole rivalry, the whole thing. And I've always thought, because I covered Oklahoma State for a year and got to cover a game in Austin, Darrell K. Royals, great, Norman, fantastic venue. I've certainly thought, you know, even if you rotated, did the Cotton Bowl one year, Norman the next, uh, and Austin after that, you do that, it'd be great, but on the kind of that point of them knowing what they have here. What makes this rivalry game unique is the fact that they play it in the Cotton Bullets. It, yeah. it is their answer to, uh, to to the game in Jacksonville. And, and so I think that's why it's going to stay. I think they're committed to it. And there is really no getting around what that venue is like on an OU Texas Day. You've got 100,000 people in there. Half of it's orange, half of it's red. It is pretty special. And so I, I think, surprisingly, for how much people like to have those conversations, might want to be on the campuses. That conversation is pretty quiet. And, and, you know, the neat thing about the Cotton Bowl
2: is it it doesn't have the corporate feel. Obviously, that's not the nicest stadium in the the DFW Metroplex. There's another one
4: that's a little bigger and a little more up to date.
2: But it feels collegiate. You know, precisely.
4: You, you, you feel history in there. The state fair going you on. You got to walk through all the all those fair things. to get in there. The whole thing. It's an event. Yeah. And that's. I think that's that's precisely why it's going to stay there.
2: All right. Last thing for you. Um. In, in terms of big picture transition. Uh. And, and I asked Zach Selman earlier today, who's the athletics director of Mississippi State now. Yeah. That, that, yeah super guy. And I asked him, I said, where is Oklahoma ready in terms of making this transition, and where are they lacking? Or where, Where's it going to take a little time to get up to speed? For, from your perspective,
4: as you look at the athletics department as a whole, how do you answer that? I would say, and this is uh, certainly not uh, any kind of projection uh, uh, on this season or anything like that, but probably everywhere with the football program. Yeah. In that, they've, this year in football, they've really got to prove some things and show the progress, and they certainly feel like they're getting there. But beyond that... You talk to Joe Castiglione about what they have in place for this move or, or plan, they've been building out their staff, they, they've been preparing for all of this. Uh, they, earlier this year, unanimously approved by the Board of Regents, a $175 million new football complex. That's, to me, screams SEC ready. Yeah, right? no doubt. That's the kind of stuff. So they, I, I think in every respect from a business standpoint, from setting themselves up as an athletic department to do this, they're there. What needs to follow, and what everyone in Norman <laughs> hopes will follow, is the football, which need know. elite football to go
2: with it as well. Eli Letterman from the uh, Tulsa World, visiting with us at SEC Media Days. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, pleasure. Thanks for having me. We got more coming up with you from SEC Media Days in Nashville. This is Sports Talk, Mississippi.
0: Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. All <laughs> I, 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 I.
2: Welcome back Sports Talk Mississippi. Eli Letterman joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. I know that that was a little bit different type interview than almost everything else you got at SEC Media Days, but I thought what Eli was doing was interesting and some of his perspective on Oklahoma as they're now a year away from that transition to the SEC made that uh, kind of a fascinating conversation. He's a talented young guy, yeah. too.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Big Premier the, League guy, too. I'll be talking a lot of smack to him this fall. Oh, yeah. There you go. Who
2: Who is it he cheers for?
3: He's a Tottenham fan.
2: Tottenham, that's right. Who you despise. And you make jokes about their trophy case I, all the time.
3: I do. I do. And I made them to him while we were in Nashville. Was he amused? No, he fired right back and let me know that he had gone to London once and uh, taken a leak right on Stamford Bridge. So, yeah. Well... There you go. Yeah. So oh,
2: yeah, yeah. he talked
3: me in that one. I don't. I don't have that. One. I don't have that in the on the resume.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We are thankful for the relationship that we have with them, uh, which just started again. Um, finished our, our first year with them and. Uh, they're with us for at least another couple of years, hopefully a lot longer than that. But uh, we've been telling you about the stuff at Genteel for a long time, and hopefully you have given it a try. But if you haven't, uh, I'd encourage you, just, just try it. Like, Don't take our word for it, or maybe you trust us enough that you're like, hey, if they say it's good stuff, I'll give it a try. I think you'll really love it. The golf shirts are fantastic. They feel good. Uh, they're lightweight. The collars hold up really well. They look good whether you dress them up or, or dress them down. Tons of patterns, a bunch of prints. Uh, Will's wearing one right now. He's got one of the solids on. I've got one of the prints on, the uh, the golf version that they did for the spring. Hey, Dad, are you in Gentile today? I am not. Not not today. Not today. Uh, we're working on Hey Dad's next round. Uh, I'll check on, on those, uh, see if we're any closer on that for you. Um, Appreciate that. If I just keep dragging it out for a little bit longer, you're going to be like, hey, I'm good. I don't even need the fours. Let's just go to the threes.
3: <laughs> exactly.
2: So, um, but give them a try. Check them out online at genteelapparel.com or at one of the men's clothing stores across the state of Mississippi that carries them like uh, Chandler Outfitters in Ocean Springs, Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Reed's in Starkville, Randy Price & Company in Hattiesburg, or Abraham's Indianola. Available to you. And if you go to their website right now, you will find that uh, there are some deals to be had up to 25% off at their end-of-season sale so you can uh, save on some of those classic golf shirts, the shorts, the swimming trunks, and uh, and more. Check them out online, genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Um, guess who we have on the uh, on the countdown tomorrow of 100 teams in 100 days?
3: Well, we've done State Ole Miss and USM, haven't we? So We have. Not one of them. No, no. We've done Alabama. We... Yep, It's outside
2: the SEC. Not not an SEC team. You have um, you have a Mississippi State opponent tomorrow. The Arizona Wildcats
1: ah. are
2: the team on the countdown tomorrow. So, hey, dude, we got to we got to get. Uh, can I assign you something while we're on the air? Because you're good at, yeah. at finding this stuff out. Let's get somebody that covers sure. Arizona, and uh, beyond just kind of talking through a little bit, we'll get a little more. Uh, in-depth report on the Arizona Wildcats as we. Uh, continue. I know a guy. Do you? That's
3: good to know. I got him. I had him last year. Yeah, I'll see if I can get him back.
2: That'd be great. Uh, so hopefully we will have that for you, man. That's going to be a big game in Week Two. I feel like it's going to fly yeah. under the radar a little bit because there's going to be so much Texas Alabama. You're going to have Alabama Texas fatigue that week. And and we yeah. may very well be guilty as well. But that's and, gonna be a really big non conference game, frankly, for both of those teams. And kind of for the Pac twelve conference as well.
3: Agreed. That's a big week here in the state of Mississippi. Because you've got you've got Ole Miss uh Tulane that week, right? On the road, yep. And Southern Miss Florida State is that weekend. Southern Miss is in Tallahassee to take a, on Florida State. A Metro Conference reunion. I'm a big fan. Mm, the Metro Conference. I miss the Metro Conference. Those were some good times.
2: Early days of Conference USA as well? Was Tulane in Conference USA for a while would, at the no, beginning?
3: Well, Tulane, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I was thinking about Tulane.
2: Florida State. Yeah, you got to go way back there.
3: Yeah. Florida State leaving was the death of the Metro Conference. So. Yeah.
2: Thanks for being with us. Will, I don't know if you'll be with us again tomorrow, but it's been fun the last couple of days. Yes, sir. Always, uh, always a pleasure. And always a pleasure to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. For Michael Borke, who is out, and hopefully will rejoin us tomorrow, Will East, Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Enjoy your Tuesday night. We'll be back with you tomorrow afternoon just after 3 o'clock. Good night.